Section two of the Begum's Fortune by Jules Verne. Translated by W. H. G. Kingston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter two A Pair of Chums. Dr. Saracen's son Octavius was not exactly what one would call a dunce. He was neither a blockhead nor a genius, neither plain nor handsome neither tall nor short neither dark nor fair his complexion was not brown and he was altogether an average specimen of the middle class at school he had never taken a very high place although occasionally gaining a prize he had failed in his first examination for passing into the college of engineers but a second attempt admitted him although with no great credit there was a want of decision in his character his mind was content with inaccuracies he was one of those people who are satisfied to have a general idea of a subject and who walk through life by moonlight such men float at the mercy of fate as corks do on the crests of waves they are driven to the equator or to the pole according to whether the wind blows north or south chance decides their career had dr saracen altogether understood his son's character he might have hesitated to write the letter he did but the wisest man may be a blind father fortunately for octavius he had during his school life come under the influence of an energetic nature which by its vigorous strength ruled him for his good albeit somewhat tyrannically he formed a close friendship with one of his companions max bruckmann a native of alsace a year younger than himself but far his superior in physical intellectual and moral vigour max bruckmann left an orphan at the age of twelve inherited a small income just sufficient to defray the expense of his education his life at college would have been monotonous had he not passed the holidays with octavius or otto as he called his friend at his home the young alsacian very soon felt himself one of dr saracen's family beneath the cold exterior lay a warm and sensitive nature and he considered that he was bound for life to those who acted like father and mother to him he positively adored dr saracen his wife and their pretty thoughtful little daughter his heart expanded under the influence of their kindness and he greatly wished to be useful to them by helping jeanette who loved her studies to advance in them and thoroughly to cultivate her excellent abilities and firm sensible mind while he longed to lead otto to become as good a man as his father this latter task he well knew to be by no means so easy as the former yet max was resolved to attain his double purpose max brookman was one of those trusty and gallant champions whom year by year alsace sends forth to do battle on the great arena of life in paris as a mere child 
he distinguished himself by the strength and flexibility of his muscles as much as by the vivacity and intelligence of his mind inwardly full of life and courage his outward form exhibited strong muscular development rather than graceful proportions at college he excelled in everything he attempted whether sport or study reaping an annual harvest of prizes he thought the year wasted if he failed to gain all within his reach at twenty his form was large robust and in splendid condition his movements were animated and his well-shaped head betokened unusual intelligence when he entered college the same year with octavius he stood second and was resolved to be first when the time came for leaving it without his persistent energy to urge him forward octavius would have never got in at all for the space of a whole year max had driven and goaded him to work had regularly compelled him to succeed he entertained for this friend of weak and vacillating nature a sentiment of kindly compassion such as one might suppose a lion to exhibit towards a little puppy he liked to feel that he could nourish this parasitical plant from the superabundance of his own sap and cause it to flourish and blossom beside him the war of eighteen seventy broke out at the close of one of their terms max full of patriotic grief at the fate which threatened strasburg and alsace hastened to enlist in the thirty-first regiment of light infantry otto as max called him and as we will for the future at once followed his example side by side the two friends stationed in the outposts of paris went through the severe campaign of the siege at champigny max received a ball in his right arm at Busenval an epaulette on his left shoulder otto received neither wound nor decoration it could not have been his fault for he followed his friend everywhere scarcely half a dozen yards in his rear but those half dozen yards made all the difference after the peace the two friends resumed their studies occupying modest apartments together near the college the recent misfortunes of france the loss to her of lorraine and alsace had matured the character of max he felt and spoke like a man it is the vocation of the youth of france said he to repair the errors of their fathers by genuine hard work alone can this be done max rose every morning at five o'clock and made otto do the same he obliged him to be punctual at his classes and never lost sight of him during the hours of recreation the evening was devoted to study with occasional pauses for a pipe or a cup of coffee at ten they retired to rest their hearts content their brains well filled a game at billiards now and then a well-chosen play or concert a ride to the forest of Verriers, a country walk and twice a week a lesson in fencing and boxing these were their amusements from time to time otto casting curious eyes at the very questionable enjoyments of other students would make feeble attempts at revolt and talk of going to see caesar larue who was studying law 
and passed most of his time at the beer shop of saint michel but max treated these fancies with utter contempt and derision that they usually passed off quietly on the twenty ninth of october eighteen seventy one about seven o'clock in the evening the two friends were seated as was their wont side by side at the same table with a shaded lamp between them max was working a problem in applied mathematics relative to the stability of blocks and had thrown himself heart and soul into his subject otto was devoting himself sedulously to something which he thought of much greater consequence the brewing of a pint of coffee it was one of the few things in which he flattered himself he really excelled perhaps because he had daily practice in it thereby escaping for a few minutes the troublesome business of squaring equations which he considered that max really did carry too far drop by drop he let his boiling water pass through a thick layer of powdered mocha and he ought to have been contented with such tranquil happiness but he was annoyed at the devoted industry of max and felt an unconquerable desire to interrupt him it would be a good plan to buy a percolator said he suddenly this ancient and solemn method of filtering is a disgrace to our modern civilization do buy a percolator it will perhaps prevent your wasting an hour every evening with this cookery replied max and he returned to his problem the entrados of a vault is an ellipsoid let a b c d be that principal ellipse which contains the two axes o a equal to a o b equal to b while the least axis o zero degrees c degrees is vertical and equal to c then that which supports the elliptic vault at this moment came a rap at the door a letter for monsieur octave saracen it may be imagined that this interruption was heartily welcomed by that young gentleman ah from my father it is his hand i see come this is something like a letter he exclaimed as he weighed the packet of papers in his hand max knew that the doctor was in england he had been in paris a week before on his way there and had treated the two lads to a dinner fit for an emperor at the palais royal for although that once famous place was quite out of fashion dr saracen continued to regard it as the centre of parisian taste and refinement let me know what your father says about his hygienic conference said max it was a good idea of his to attend that french savants are inclined to be too exclusive and max returned to his problem the extraters will be formed by another similar ellipsoid having its centre at the point zero on the vertical zero c let f f f be the foci of the three principal ellipses then we find the auxiliary ellipse and hyperbola of which the common axes are a shout from otto made him look up what is the matter he asked with some alarm seeing his friend turn pale read this cried otto completely astonished by the news he had received 
max took the letter read it all through read it a second time glanced over the documents enclosed and said this is curious then he filled his pipe and lighted it methodically otto watched him all anxiety for his opinion do you think it can be true he exclaimed with a choking voice true to be sure it is your father has too much common sense his judgment is too good to let him accept rashly so well authenticated a statement as this besides the proofs are there it is in fact perfectly plain the pipe was now thoroughly lighted max resumed his work otto sat with his arms hanging down unable even to finish his coffee far less to bring two ideas together he could not help speaking just to convince himself that he was not asleep but may i say max if this is true it is downright overwhelming all these millions why it is an enormous fortune mind you max looked up and nodded yes enormous is the word for it most likely there is not one such in france a few in the united states five or six in england not above fifteen or twenty in the world altogether and a title into the bargain resumed otto a foreign title what is it let's see rajah not that i ever was ambitious of having a title but if it comes in one's way why it certainly sounds more imposing than plain saracen max shot forth a puff of smoke and uttered not a word that puff of smoke distinctly said pooh pooh certainly continued otto i should never have stuck a duh before my name or assumed anything high sounding as some people do but to inherit a real genuine title and to take rank among the great princes of india without any possible chance of doubt or confusion the pipe kept puffing pooh-pooh my dear fellow said otto decidedly you may say what you like but i can tell you there is a good deal in blood as the english express it he stopped short as he caught the mocking smile in max's eyes and returned to the contemplation of his millions do you recollect max how benome our old arithmetic master used to impress upon us every year in his opening lesson that five hundred millions was a number far beyond the grasp of one human mind unaided by the resources of written figures one has to consider that a man spending a franc every minute would take more than a thousand years to pay away such a sum well it really is strange to think one has inherited five hundred millions of francs five hundred million francs is it cried max with more interest than he had yet shown shall i tell you the best thing you can do give it to france for payment of her ransom she only requires ten times as much for mercy's sake don't suggest such an idea to my father cried otto looking quite scared he really might adopt it i can tell you that he already has some notion of the kind in his head some investment he might certainly make but 
at least let us have the interest come we shall have you turn out to be a financier after all said max something tells me my poor otto that it would have been better for your father with his upright intelligent mind if this great fortune had been of a more reasonable size i would rather see you with an income of five-and-twenty thousand to share with your good little sister than with this great mountain of gold and max went back to his work as to otto he could not settle to anything and fidgeted about the room till his friend got rather impatient and said you had better go out and take a walk otto it is clear you are fit for nothing this evening you are quite right i really am not replied otto who joyfully caught at this excuse for leaving off work and seizing his hat he clattered downstairs and was soon in the street he presently stopped beneath a bright gaslight and read his father's letter again he wanted to make sure he was not dreaming five hundred millions of francs he kept repeating that would be at least five and twenty millions a year why if my father will only give me one million a year say quarterly or half yearly as my allowance how happy i should be money can do so much i am sure i should make an excellent use of it i'm not a fool not a bit of it didn't i get into the upper school and then that title i'm sure i could easily support the dignity of a title as he passed along he looked into all the shops i shall have a fine house horses one for max of course i becoming rich myself he will become so likewise only think five hundred millions but somehow now a fortune comes it seems to me as though i had expected it something whispered that i should not be poring over books and plans all my life as otto revolved these thoughts he was passing along beneath the arcades of the rue de rivoli reaching the champs-elysees he turned up the rue royale and reached the boulevards the splendid shop-fronts which formerly he regarded with indifference as exhibiting things utterly useless to him now attracted lively attention as he considered with a thrill of delight that he could at any moment possess any or all of these treasures for me said he to himself for me all this fine linen all these exquisite soft cloths are manufactured for me watchmakers construct timepieces and chronometers for my pleasure the brilliant lustres of theatre and opera shed their dazzling lights violins scrape prima donnas sing their enchanting strains for me horse-dealers train thoroughbreds and the cafe anglaise is lighted up all paris is mine everything is at my disposal travel to be sure i shall travel i shall go and visit my indian possessions as likely as not i shall buy a pagoda some day priests and all and the ivory idols into the bargain i shall have elephants of my own i shall have splendid guns and rifles 
go tiger shooting and i must have a beautiful boat a boat what am i thinking about a fine steam yacht that's what i shall have go where i choose stop as often as i like talking of steam i have to give this news to my mother suppose i start for douai there is college to be considered but then what's the use of college to me now but max i must let him know i should send him a message of course he will understand that under present circumstances i am in haste to see my mother and sister otto entered an office and sent a telegram to inform his friend that he was gone and would return in a couple of days then hailing a cab he was driven to the terminus of the northern railway settling himself in the corner of a carriage he continued to follow out his dreaming fancies until at two o'clock in the morning he arrived at douai hurried to his father's house and rang the night bell so noisily that not only the family but all the neighbors were aroused by the peal night-capped heads popped out at various windows someone is ill who can it be inquired one and another the doctor is not at home screamed the old servant from her attic window it is i it is i otto come down and let me in fanchon after a delay of ten minutes otto was admitted into the house his mother and sister hastily robed in dressing-gowns came downstairs all anxiety to learn the cause of this visit the doctor's letter on being read aloud explained the mystery madame saracen was at first completely dazzled she embraced her son and daughter with tears of joy it seemed to her that the whole world was theirs and that misfortune could never approach a family possessed of hundreds of millions of francs women however can more readily than men adapt themselves to circumstances and to certain changes in fortune madame saracen read her husband's letter again felt that this great sum was his that he would take all the responsibility of deciding what she and her children were to do and speedily resumed her usual composure as to jeanette she was glad to see her mother and brother so happy but her childish imagination could picture no manner of life more delightful than that she led in her quiet home occupied with her studies and happy in the love of her parents she could not see why a few bundles of banknotes should make any great change in her existence and the prospect of it did not in the least degree discompose her madame saracen had married at a very early age a man entirely absorbed by the studious occupations of an ardent scholar and philosopher she loved her husband and respected his tastes although she could not always comprehend them incapable of sharing the pleasure which dr saracen derived from study she had at times felt herself lonely by the side of the enthusiastic man of science and consequently centred all her hopes and aspirations in her children she pictured for them a brilliant and happy future otto she felt certain was destined to do great things 
from the time he took a place in the upper school she mentally regarded that modest and useful college for young engineers as the nursery of illustrious men her only trouble was that their limited means might possibly prove an obstacle or at least a difficulty in the way of her son's brilliant career and might ultimately also affect her daughter's establishment in life but now she so far understood the news conveyed in her husband's letter as to perceive that these fears were needless and her satisfaction was entire the mother and son spent most of the night in talking and making plans while jeanette happy in the present heedless of the future was fast asleep in an armchair you have not mentioned max said madame saracen to her son have you not shown him your father's letter what does he say about it oh you know what max is answered otto he is worse than a philosopher he is a stoic i believe he fears the effect so enormous a fortune will have upon us i say upon us but he is not afraid for my father himself whose good sense and judgment he says he can rely upon but for you mother and jeanette and more especially for me he plainly said he should have preferred an income of a few thousands a year perhaps max is not far wrong replied madame saracen looking at her son the sudden possession of great wealth is fraught with danger to some natures jeanette awoke and heard her mother's last words do you not remember mother said she as rubbing her eyes she rose and turned towards her little bedroom do you not remember you told me one day that max was always in the right i for my part believe what our friend max says and kissing her mother jeanette withdrew End of section two.